That's that's our kind of harebrained motto here. All right. For Alec Geese, Emily Harrard, Dan Dissler, I'm Jeremy Parks. On behalf of the Daily Sports Report, we'll leave you with a good night, a go blue, and my all-time favorite, little Warren Zevon. If Pandora's box is a box of chocolates, would I know to stay away? Pandora's box, a box of chocolates Would I eat them anyway? Cause every time I have half a mind to leave you, babe That means I have half a mind to stay It's Pandora's Lunchbox on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Good evening, this is Mike. Pandora's Lunchbox is a show about food and culture, and wait here, there's culture in my food. And we lost another good one. Merle Haggard died yesterday. He was 79 years old. It was his 79th birthday when he passed away yesterday. And I've got to take a moment to pay a little tribute to him, first of all. Jesse Walker, a former WCBN DJ, wrote uh, on his blog... On a blog, he wrote a tribute to Merle Haggard and starts like this, so I want to just read a little bit of that to you. Fifty-nine years ago, it says, two men and a woman sat around a table in Bakersfield, drinking red wine and cursing the State of the Union. Ain't no jobs to be had, one man said. I know it, I know it, said the other. An honest man might's well quit trying. And then he added, I know where there's a bunch of money, it wouldn't be no trouble to get it. The trio, now thoroughly drunk, decided to break into a restaurant on Highway 99. No one would catch them, they reasoned, because it was three in the morning, so they headed out to the roadhouse with a baby in tow, and they started trying to pry their way in through the back door. Unfortunately for the crooks, they had been too drunk to read the clock correctly. It was actually around 10 p.m., and the joint was still open. And that was how Merle Haggard who had already spent more time, more than a little time behind bars for a variety of petty offenses, got a ticket to San Quentin. And the story goes on, quite a story. I bet you're going to hear a lot of Merle Haggard this weekend on the Down Home Show on Saturday afternoon with Tex. But let's start today's show with a song that was recorded 50 years ago and looks like the bottle let him down that night when he was trying to pry the back door open. We're going to hear a little bit of that. Now here's uh, Merle Haggard. Merle Haggard. down 
day But the wine don't take effect the way it used to And I'm hurting in an old familiar way Thank you, Merle Haggard. Tonight, the bottle let me down. I could have also played, I think I'll just stay here and drink, but I went for that one. Thank you, Merle. Appreciate you. Merle Haggard died at 79 years old yesterday on his 79th birthday. And now to another 79 at the University of Michigan. The University of Michigan Kelsey Museum has an exhibit now through May 15th called Leisure and Luxury in the Age of Nero, the Villas of Aplantis near Pompeii. It features luxuries of the wealthy 1%, they say, of ancient Rome, and new information about the Mount Vesuvius eruption in 79 AD. Inevitably, where there's luxury, there's food. I tend to go for the food rather than the luxury, but that's just me. U of M professor Elaine Gazda curated the exhibit, and there's a press release where she talks about it. I picked out some of the food-related tidbits. She says there were some extreme social disparities there. To have a villa like this, you had to have hundreds of slaves just to run it. The exhibition makes it apparent that it wasn't just elites having wonderful banquets with bounty falling from the sky. There, there were also cooks in the kitchen, servers, entertainers, and farmers who really made it happen. For a long time, she says, we thought the eruption happened on August 23rd or 24th in AD 79. Can you imagine that precision? However, the commercial structure we uncovered here included many empty wine vessels, which had been sitting there waiting to be filled. Based on what we know about when grape harvest occurs, we now think that since the vessels were empty, the eruption may have actually happened sometime in November of 79 AD. This actually has implications for a lot of those luxury villas, too. If the eruption was in the fall, after the vacation season, then the villas may not have been as heavily occupied and therefore possibly suffered fewer losses of life. The University of Michigan Kelsey Museum, there's an exhibit called Leisure and Luxury in the Age of Nero, the villas of Aplantis near Pompeii, and that's what we were talking about here. The exhibit is now through May 15th, and it looks like uh, this song would have been very appropriate at the time if they had a turntable like the one we've got right now. Here's Julia Lee and uh, Last Call for Alcohol. This is the last call for alcohol this evening Drink up, drink up, drink up and order again This is the last call for alcohol, get going Drink up, drink up, drink up, then order again One, two, three, four, five, six, seven The minutes fly by 
Eight, nine, ten, that old clock's ticking. About time to say goodnight. This is the last call for alcohol this evening. Drink up, drink up, drink up, then order again. You can't stay here. That's right. You can't stay here. Actually, you can stay. We're happy to have you. I'm, I can see you right now. This is Pandora's Lunchbox. That was Julia Lee and Last Call for Alcohol on an album called Tonight's the Night on the Charlie label. And I forgot to mention, I was just talking about the Kelsey Museum of Archaeology with the exhibit on Leisure and Luxury in the Age of Rome, going on through May 15th. And this weekend, actually, on April 9th, that would be Saturday, is a special family day, Kelsey Museum of Archaeology Family Day, creative hands-on activities taking place in Newberry Hall from 1230 to 3. Kid-friendly tours of the exhibit will be offered at 1, 2, and 3 p.m., you can find out more at lsa.umich.edu slash Kelsey. That's K-E-L-S-E-Y. If you want to go not nearly as far back, but a fairly long time ago by modern standards, this is from the Associated Press. A city in Wisconsin, which I neglected to look up the pronunciation for, Ephraim, perhaps, E-P-H-R-A-I-M, says here voters have lifted a long-standing ban on alcohol sales in a small northeastern Wisconsin village. WLUK-TV reports that voters in Ephraim, yes, the pronunciation is right here. I didn't look it up, but it was right in front of my face. Voters in Ephraim this Tuesday approved referendums allowing the sale of beer and wine. The village of about 300 people has been dry since Norwegian Moravians founded it in 1853. Residents unsuccessfully tried to change the ban in 1934 and 1992. Supporters of the change say allowing alcohol sales would improve tourist trade in the village of Ephraim along the water in Peninsular Door County, 
which is about 70 miles northeast of Green Bay. Opponents said introducing alcohol sales would tarnish the quaint feel of the area and spurn village history. And village history must not be spurned. I must talk like this when I read that copy. That's from the Associated Press. Got some fishy news coming up in just a moment, but first of all, let's talk about, uh, we were talking about luxury foods way, way back long ago. Speaking of luxury, you know, you can go to Comerica Park and get some really exotic luxury foods. My friend Ron tipped me off to some of this information about the info about the new menu in this year at Comerica Park now that baseball season's starting. There's the Brat Pop which is my favorite genre, also an enormous salty slice of sauerkraut. No, a salty slice of bratwurst skewered. A slice of sauerkraut? How does that work? A salty slice of bratwurst skewered and fried in batter. I wish it was fried in butter. Also, you can get deep-fried Oreos, pork rind nachos, mm, and macaroni and cheese topped hot dogs. The stadium concessions are also drawing on more Detroit-inspired foods, like the Corktown Burger, which is topped with corned beef, and Grecian French fries. Grecian French fries, they're Grecian and they're French, covered in tzatziki, cucumber, tomato, olives, feta, and gyro meat. Ah. Meanwhile, at 5th, 3rd Ballpark in Grand Rapids, where the Whitecaps play baseball, didn't that used to be called Pine Knob Ballpark? I'm thinking of something else now. Anyway, the winner of this year's food contest chosen by the Whitecaps is Dutch Love. Dutch Love is a combination of turkey pot roast, gravy, cheese curds, and French fries wrapped up in a pita, naturally. That will debut at the Whitecaps opener this Saturday. Previous winners have included the Declaration of Indigestion, a hot dog covered in a Philly cheesesteak, and I was drawn to a drink on last year's menu, the Beer Amisu. Beer Amisu. Uh, That's tiramisu gelato with local stout beer. Oh, I think that is also another declaration of indigestion. It's painful just to say it. And nonetheless, I think some people are very upset that the simple hot dog can't just be a simple hot dog anymore. I think that uh, Wanda Jackson's boyfriend is pretty upset about that, too. We're going to hear uh, what he has to say about that. Hot dog that made him mad. That is absolutely the truth. I think he's going to say that very thing right about now. Here's uh, Wanda Jackson. This is WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Songs about food, food and culture, and other such things. I believe the CD player is going to play that song right about now. I've got a guy. I like him fine. But he takes me for granted all of the time to teach him a lesson and make him mad. I went out on a date with the best friend he had that made him mad, boy. Hot dog that made him mad. And he hugged me and he kissed me and he asked me not to do it again. Oh, late last night when I came in, he demanded to know. Just where I'd been But I really put him right in his place Instead of an answer I laughed in his face That made him mad, boy Hot dog that made him mad So he hugged me and he kissed me And he asked me not to do it again 
change That he would leave Well, you should have seen him Was his face red When I laughed and told him Just go right ahead That made him mad, boy I thought that made him mad So he hugged me and he kissed me And he asked me not to do it again Well, the moral is To play it cool Let your guy know you're nobody's fool When he gets the thinking, you're all his own Let him know that you can take him or leave him alone That makes him mad, boy I thought that makes him mad And he'll hug you and he'll kiss you And he'll ask you not to do it again Yeah, he'll hug you and he'll kiss you He'll squeeze you and he'll please you And he'll ask you not to do it again I don't think that's about hot dogs, but I tried. Hot dog that made him mad, that is Wanda Jackson. That was recorded 60 years ago in 1956. Sounds and feels so good. It's Pandora's Lunchbox, a show about food and culture. My name is Mike. It's 10 minutes to 7. Arwolf is getting ready for Face the Music. It's going to be awesome, I know. And I hear a rumor he's also going to, going to be getting ready to help us to shimmy shimmy and cocoa bop at 8. I believe that is the case. Gato Barbieri. With music from Gato Barbieri, another wonderful person who we have lost quite recently. So always listen to WCBN, even when you're not. You, you might not miss something, so do that. Now, this is something you should know on Boing Boing, the website. There is a CCCP cookbook, Recipes from the Days of Soviet Food Planners. This was posted on Boing Boing this week. It says here, Fuel Publishing, based in London, has carved a niche in the book world by creating books that document the small, dark corners of Soviet history. CCCP cookbook delves deep into the history of dishes beloved by generations of Russians, evolved from both the ideal of equal for all and the realities of planned food production in a country of nearly 170 million. Knowing that Soviet in Russian means assembly helps understand the Soviet cuisine isn't necessarily Russian food. Central planners developed recipes based on projected harvests and preserved foods, Fresh herring wasn't available in Tashkent, but tinned preserved fish could be distributed throughout the country. Workers were fed meals at their workplaces that helped standardize, that helped standardize recipes, as commissary cooks were required to follow the famed manual, Book of Tasty and Healthy Food. That guide purposefully adapted regional dishes into new, improved Soviet recipes. Vorschmack has its roots in Jewish cuisine, but is easily recognized today as our own deviled eggs. Soviet planners declared every Thursday to be Fish Day. And hey, it's Thursday, and we're going to have a song about fish in a little bit. This was a way to address meat shortages. In response, agricultural scientists, inspired by the 16th, 16th century Rus dish of minced fish shaped with elaborate molds, created a modern meal for the masses, fish sticks. Soviet food scientists were doing the same work as capitalist American food engineers of the time. For every color-saturated booklet published by Kraft, the Soviet food councils published their own versions. One of the writer's favorites in the CCCP cookbook for both the Blech factor in its advertising campaign is Shuba, better known by its nickname 
herring under a fur coat. The key ingredients are, of course, mayo and herring. Christina Ward of Boing Boing, can I pronounce Boing Boing, talking about the CCCP cookbook, recipes from the days of Soviet food planners. I think this is going to be, this following item is going to be in in poor taste. I hope that it does not offend too many people, but this is WCBN, and we'll see how that goes. Here's uh, Eric Idle and Neil Innes of Monty Python. They've never really done anything in poor taste, so maybe this this will be one of those examples. Here we go. Well, now it's cookery time. Introduced, as usual, by Lenin. Bonivas, the bourgeois, get you down, and the vision is looking blue. Get into the kitchen, get out your pans, and cook a little dish or two. When efforts at the decline of the capitalist system seem to be coming through. Get into your kitchen, get out your pans, and cook a little dish or two. Here's our recipe. If you want to be free, the future lies in your hands. Don't go on bitching, get into the kitchen, and rattle, rattle, rattle them pots and pans. Whenever you shot, I'll see people to shoot, and you shot, see fighting squad too. Get into your kitchen, get out your pants, and shoot a little dish or two. Shoot one for me, Joe. Shoot a little dish or two. Make mine a bourgeois. Shoot a little dish or two. 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 Joseph Stalin is currently appearing with Scylla Black at the talk of the town Newquay. Karl Marx is a member of the Young Red Graves. Thank you. Thank you. That was very tasteful, wasn't it? I don't know. That is a bit of Eric Idle and Neil Innes on leave from Monty Python for a little bit on that album that came out in 1976 on BBC Records. The album called The Rutland Weekend Songbook, also called The Rutland Times. It has too many names. It goes by many names. This album, actually, this curiosity from 1976, was also the debut of The Ruddles. There's actually one cut featuring a bit from The Ruddles doing I Must Be In Love, Featuring Billy Bremner, who would later be a member of Rockpile. So lots of stuff happening here. And the Ruddles later on became a real faux group in 1978. Featuring Eric Idle and Neil Ennis. The faux documentary, All You Need Is Cash. And the Ruddles album and so on is all in history and continues to this day, whatever that means. Well, speaking of fish, earlier a moment ago we were speaking of fish. This is from an NPR post by Alastair Bland, and this is about preserving fish. Not actually preserving fish as in you know, making it last longer, but making fish species last longer. Sardines, herring, and other small fish species are the foundation of the marine food web. They're essential food for birds, marine mammals, and other fish. But globally... Demand for these so-called forage species has exploded with many going to feed the livestock and fish farming industries, and not necessarily people. Pacific sardines are at their lowest numbers in decades. Pacific herring have also declined. Forage species have a tendency to gather in dense schools, which makes them really easy targets sometimes. This week, the U.S. government passed measures to protect these critical fish and invertebrate species in waters off the U.S. West Coast before they're overfished. These measures were backed by both environmentalists as well as fishermen. 
The rules make it illegal for, illegal for commercial fishermen to develop new fisheries for hundreds of species unless scientists have first determined that targeting them will have no negative impact on the marine ecosystem, existing fisheries, and fishing communities. Forage species include such creatures as lantern fishes, the Pacific sorry, the silver sides, or I guess fish just called silver sides, the eulacon, sometimes called a hooligan, sometimes called a candlefish. Why are they called a candlefish? The name candlefish derives from it being so fat during spawning that if it's caught, dried, and strung on a wick, it can be burned as a candle. That's according to Wikipedia. It's also the derivation of the phrase, why I ought to string you up on a wick and burn you as a candle. Okay, I made that part up. But also the surf smelt and the neon flying squid are among those. The neon flying squid. Sometimes you just realize life is worth it just to say three words, neon flying squid. That's my next band. Some of these species have hardly been fished at all, and they're relatively absent from public awareness. But an official from the group Audubon, California, says we don't know what effects of fishing on these species could be in 50 years, but we aren't taking any chances. And people are actually fishing for neon flying squid right now, so you never know. This is actually a fact. People are fishing for neon flying squid. On that note, let's get together for a sustainable Saturday Night Fish Fry from Mr. Louis Jordan. I believe that's the title of the song, Sustainable Saturday Night Fish Fry, but I could be wrong. Thank you, Arwolf, for helping me to find that in our lovely LP collection. This is WCBN. I've been Mike for a while. Keep listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor. This has been Pandora's Lunchbox. Face the Music is next. This is quite a story. This is quite a yarn. Louis Jordan, here we go. Keep on listening and never stop doing that. understand just what I mean. Now all through the week it's quiet as a mouse, but on Saturday night they go from house to house. You don't have to pay the usual admission if you're a cook or a waiter or a good musician. So if you happen to be just passing by, stop in at the Saturday night fish fry. It was rocking. It was rocking. You never see such stuffing and shuffling till the break of dawn. It was rocking, it was rocking. You never seen such scuffling and shuffling till the break of dawn. Now my buddy and me was on the main stem, fooling around just me and him. We decided we could use a little something to eat, so we went to a house on Rampart Street. We knocked on the door and it opened with ease And a lush little miss said, come in please And before we could even bat an eye We were right in the middle of a big fish fry It, it was rocking It was rocking You never see that scuffling and shuffling Till the break of dawn It was rocking It was rocking You never see that scuffling and shuffling Till the break now my buddy and me, we fell right in and we hollered, let the joy begin. Now we figured this was a good place to play, cause the party was already underway. But all of a sudden the lights went low and everybody made straight for the front door. Man, I was so scared I didn't know where to go. I stood right there, then I fell on the floor. It was rocking. It was rocking. You never seen such 
and then shuffle till the break of dawn. a fish to me it was rocking it was rocking you never see that scuffling and shuffling till the break of dawn it was rocking it was rocking you never see that scuffling and shuffling till the break of dawn Thanks, Mike. Thanks, everybody. This is WCBN-FM Ann Arbor, and it's a little bit past 7 o'clock, time for Face the Music. All music is, in some way or another, relative to some degree. Here's Exhibit B. Rhythmically, this might have something or other in common with what you just heard. It's the Harry Breuer Quintet, And the name of the piece is Buffoon. Let's face the music. (laughs) 